the hurricanes in 2004 occurred. Charlie Francis Jean had $196,000 worth of damage to my home, and that was my first time uh, dealing with mold and water throughout my entire house. Three floors were flooded. Welcome to another episode of the Restoration Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sillman, and on today's episode, we're hearing from someone with firsthand experience in hurricane restoration. As we speak, we are in the midst of hurricane season here in the United States. Each year, the months between June and November serve as a stark reminder of the incredible power of nature. And for the restoration professionals, it marks a period of heightened vigilance, preparedness, and response. Restoration work during this time isn't just about fixing what's broken. It's about rebuilding lives, communities, and a sense of normalcy in the face of immense devastation. Mike Allred, director of CAD at Royal Plus, knows this all too well. Back in 2004, when four hurricanes made impact on Florida in just six weeks, well, that's when he made his first start in restoration. Since then, he's become a seasoned veteran in the world of restoration and has navigated many a hurricane season, turning challenges into opportunities to learn, innovate, and strengthen restoration efforts. We'll dive into his experiences, insights, and cutting-edge strategies his team employs to weather the storm, quite literally, next. But first, a word on know-how. Imagine that whenever your team had a question, they could get an immediate, clear, and concise answer in plain language based on your company's specific restoration processes and policies. That is precisely what KnowHow delivers. We are a mobile-first application that's designed to help restoration companies to answer those pressing, on-the-job questions instantly, eliminating the need for time-consuming searches through documents. With KnowHow, our team has all the answers they need right at their fingertips, anytime, anywhere. But know-how doesn't stop there. From onboarding new hires swiftly and efficiently, even in large chaotic situations like a large restoration project, to breaking down language barriers and empowering every worker with instruction, know-how is here to simplify, streamline, and strengthen your company's processes. If you're striving to become a process-driven company, KnowHow is ready to guide you with hundreds of customizable templates for common restoration jobs, enabling your team to access your standard operating procedures right from their device, regardless of their location. See what it can do for yourself. Book a demo with me at tryknowhow.com and discover how KnowHow helps restorers get the job done right every time. That's tryknowhow.com. We'll also have a link in the show notes for your convenience. Now let's get back to Mike and hear what happens next. Yeah, my journey, like most people, is kind of crazy and long. Um, Flipped uh, houses all through college. And uh, even when I used to own uh, nutrition stores in a previous life. Um, And in 2003, me and my wife finished college. Uh, We were living in the Florida Keys and we moved to Central Florida. And the hurricanes in 2004 occurred. Charlie Francis Jean had $196,000 worth of damage to my home. And that was my first time uh, dealing with mold and water throughout my entire house. Three floors were flooded. You know, so I ended up calling out uh, a contractor and restoration contractors and kind of got into the science and nerd of that. And um, we decided since it was going to take almost two years to rebuild our house uh, because it was a historic home. Uh, to move back home to North Alabama. And uh, there were no FQHCs, which is fairly qualified health clinics there. So uh, Mike was back to school to work on his master's. And uh, 
I'd always done sales and stuff like that. And so I ended up taking a job as a salesman with a, a one of the, probably the biggest, you know, restoration company and, and kind of just dove into it that way into sales, you know, not thinking that I was even going to stay in it uh, because I was working on my master's in education and um, I fell in love with it um, and got bathed in blood in 2007 uh, with the uh, floods in Iowa and uh, with running a, a major storm team at that time. And kind of just took from there and uh, I fell in love with the production side of it. I became the number one salesperson in the country for that group, uh, for that company. And uh, then just started learning more and more about the production side, got into the science side of things and then, you know, left that company and then came back to that company later on uh, in my career, but uh, opened up a hygienist firm as well uh, and did that for a while. And uh, I've just grown you know, and now I feel like I'm probably with the largest privately held that's left, you know, with everything that's going on, uh, restoration company uh, in the country. Uh, we keep about 50 tractor trailers uh, loaded and ready to go. And I'm about to add six more to that fleet, hopefully before hurricanes hit, if we can. Um, the trailers are here. I just haven't built them out yet. We're in the process of doing that. And, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those industries that every day is different. Um and I love that. I work hard, you know, work a lot of hours, but I love it. I enjoy it, you know, and you know what they say, if you love what you do, you never go to work. I don't believe that <laughs> from working quite often, uh, but I love what I do. So it makes life uh, enjoyable. So it's obviously clear you've, you've had a great path into restoration. You've got tons of experience. You know, what we're really interested in is hear more about your involvement in the hurricane kind of prep, you know, in your line of work, understanding these different challenges that natural disasters bring and kind of significant source of being ready for them. Like what kind of goes into that on your side? It is a year long project for us. Uh, now, granted, there are times where we take breaks, but I mean, we deal with storm preparedness uh, year round here. Um, you know, and I've been at other companies where it's, you know, you start getting ready when it starts becoming hurricane season. And so, I mean, but the, the stage is still the same, you know, it's just here, it's a lot more, you know, a lot more equipment that has to be maintained, a lot more training that has to take place. Um, we still do rent equipment. I mean, you know, with the amount of work that we take on, I mean, all of our generators and desiccants, you know, we never rent portable equipment because I've got more than that than I'll probably ever use. Um, there has been a couple of times where I'd say 80% of it was at capacity, but uh, don't think we've ever exhausted that. Um, some of the big rental companies actually call us to rent equipment. But um, in preparedness, it's really, you know, I would say first and foremost, um, you need to know what you're doing. You need to be prepared for the financial side of this game. Uh, a lot of companies see the the glamour of the cat world and want to jump right into it. But then they go do these projects, but they don't understand that it may take six months, a year, sometimes two years to be paid in full on these projects, you know, and that's even if everybody's agree, you know, sometimes, especially depending on who you're working for, the money comes slower than others, especially if you're doing any kind of government or school system work. Um, and so the biggest thing I would say is making sure you're financially ready to, to be in this industry, you know, this side of the industry It is a complete different ball game. Uh, it takes education and training 
knowing how to deal with adjusters and consultants and your client, first and foremost, because that's legally who you work for. You do not work for those other guys, um, although they try to make it seem like they control the purse strings, and they kind of do. Uh, and so you don't want to make them angry right out the gate, but you also don't have to do what they tell you to do. Um, but, you know, it's it's everything from uh, training your staff and making sure that you got people to fill all the roles from tracking equipment to doing the paperwork, making sure you understand whether you use uh, clerk of the works or time of materials or any of those other programs like that. You know, making sure that you capture everything, um, you know, do not travel and do Xactimate on mitigation. Uh, you're going to not make money. Uh, you're going to lose money. Uh, and make sure you track every penny that you spend and that you have a good contract. You know, that's another big thing is making sure that you have hired a good attorney uh, to de design your contract for whatever state you may be working in. Uh, making sure that you're licensed in every state. Uh, a lot of contractors found out the hard way during Ian that came down. Uh, a lot of them ended up in jail. Um, you know, Florida has really tightened up on contractors. You can come in and you can set equipment, but you can't do demo uh, if you're not licensed in the state of Florida. And there are a lot of major companies that had owners of their franchises arrested. A lot of smaller company, independent companies that were arrested on job sites, handcuffed and taken to jail. Uh, most states aren't as bad as Florida is, but Florida did that, I think, after 2004, because a lot of people... Uh, or taking people's money, a lot of contract, bad contractors, you know, or bad contractors give us all a bad name. As we all know, a lot of us do well and do good. Um, Ed Cross's books is another thing I would recommend that everyone reads. Uh, he is the king of our industry when it comes to attorneys and this. Yeah, he, he does a lot more with uh, the residential side of things. And I think that's because he has more demand there. But a lot of his books, especially on the collection side and what is uh, and the RIA is very important as well. Uh, there's a lot of white papers and opinions that are there that are based on industry experience. Um, I would say the only other thing is is to make sure that you have a good support network. Um, you know, besides what you deal with with your own employees and your own company, is making sure you have good hygienists that are licensed in the state that you're going to be going to to pull asbestos samples. We will not touch, no matter what the state law is, we will not touch sheetrock unless we have tested it. We're just not gonna do any demo. Uh, I worked for a company in my past uh, that got sued for $14 million prior before I got there um, on a hotel that was two years old, Ooh. two years old. And that's because you can still go buy a bucket of mud at Home Depot today that's got asbestos in it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, people try to think that they understand it, but you know, asbestos is, not illegal to the point to where we're testing it and everything, you know, and so there's certain industries where it's not supposed to be used and people don't get into it for, because of litigation, but you can still find it, you know, and so um, one of the companies, there are two companies that did that job. One of them is no longer in business and it was a big company. If I said their name, most people would recognize it. Um, the company I went for work for was the sister company. And uh, you know, they went out of business about two years later. And I had to find another job uh, because the financial impact of that lawsuit was just too great for them to overcome as well. And so, you know, first and foremost in preparation is making sure you have your ducks in a row and that you are prepared to defend yourself first. You know, and that's your pocketbook and your liability, the whole nine yards. And 
that kind of goes hand in hand with the consultants that the insurance companies hire. You know, it's not their liability that's on the line when they come in and try to tell you how to do your job. You know, they if you end up in court with your client, they're long gone. You know, they have no stand in the fight. You know, they work for the insurance company and their whole thing is, you know, they will tell you that it's to, you know, control cost or that it is to look out to make sure the client's got a good job done for them. And I will say that's partially true. Um, They are there to do that, but they're also there to control, you know, the spending and keep it under control. And sometimes that's needed. I mean, sometimes I've seen contractors, I've driven by jobs, I've been called in behind other contractors. I'll try to set up 5,000 CFM on a 2,000 square foot building, you know, and, you know, it, it, there are contractors that try to throw big stuff at jobs that don't require it. So, you know, if you're going to go to anything that's in our day-to-day business as well, make sure that you can back it up. You know, just because it's a hurricane doesn't mean there's billions of dollars laying around to be given to you. You know, you got to make sure that anything that you do, that you're willing to stand behind in a court of law with expert witnesses on the other side. And if you can fight that argument, then you're good. So your resources, you know, good labor companies, and I don't want to call anybody by names, but Make sure you're using some that have quality people, not that are just gathering up homeless people, people off the street. Uh, I've known a contractor uh, just two years ago that I used to work for uh, that brought in a cheap labor company because they're looking to make lots of profit. They're charging twenty five to thirty five dollars an hour for labor that they're paying twelve bucks an hour for. And there was a a shooting. $380,000 $380,000 worth of video captured theft and fights and intravenous drug use and everything else called on this job site. And they will never work for this company ever again. Um, and matter of fact, they probably won't work in that town much either because, you know, it's a tight knit town. And when you do work for a condo and it gets around, the word gets around in condo association. Uh, and what's bad is that that is a franchise and I know them and like them. I'm friends with them. But then when you look at it on a big scale, it gives everybody a bad name that's in that franchise group. And then it also gives contractors in general a bad name. You know, so you handle yourself wisely. Make sure you have good resources, uh, partner companies. You know, that's what we do. We partner with other companies throughout the country uh, as strategic partners uh, that do work for us. Uh, we make sure that everybody is doing a quality job and following our guidance if they're working on our projects, just like we expect to do if they call us in to work under them and help them out. Um, but having good resources is another important thing, you know. Absolutely. And there's a lot to unpack right there. So kind of one thing that you mentioned in there and, you know, especially with going out for hurricane losses, one thing we found in our state of the industry poll we did last year is a lot of people are looking to get into large loss type hurricane jobs. You know, when it comes to training and resources for your workers, because this isn't day to day restoration, you know, like employee burnout, the way you handle jobs, the hours that go in vastly different from your standard, you know, three bedroom loss that you get on a day to day. Kind of what kind of training and resources do you really look to prioritize for your guys? Well, you know, well, resources for training, we're now using, you know, obviously your, the know-how app, you know, with you guys. And within that, you know, I, I deal with Jim Thompson quite a bit. For those of you who are fresh to the industry, Jim is a seasoned veteran of the restoration industry who has shaped a lot of the standards we use today. And also, while I have you, 
you know I can't pass up an opportunity to talk to you about know-how. Mike will go into why this is so critical, but know-how customers get access to hundreds of step-by-step -step guides on common restoration jobs, making it easier than ever to equip your entire workforce with the expertise they need to get the job done right the first time. But it gets better. These templates are fully brandable and customizable so you can ensure each job is done in line with your company's standards. But you don't have to just take my word for it. To see for yourself, go to tryknowhow.com and request a demo to see what know-how can do for your restoration crews. Okay, now back to Mike. Jim Thompson is, and you know him and his guys. You know they they write a lot of the stuff that you get in the ICRC. And uh, he dropped a bomb on me about a year ago. Basically, told me the S five hundred never was and is not intended to give guidance for large loss and commercial losses, much less hurricane losses. Uh, and so now they're writing the S five fifty. So making sure you've got certified guys that understand. You know, especially if you're jumping into the hurricane and you're planning on doing commercial on hurricane. There's a big difference in people that travel for residential on hurricane losses and commercial. If you're going commercial and you're going large loss, you need to make sure that you have people that are even on the construction side of things on your team because you really need to understand the building envelope and what stresses that that building has gone through in the hurricane. You may walk up and everything looks fine. But you're going to have bends and twists and everything else, especially in high-rise buildings. Uh, we did one in Metairie uh, year before last in Louisiana, and the people were on the top floor. That's, that was where the, the company's command center was. That they they were they stayed there during the hurricane, and they were scared to death. The building was twisting, you know, twenty feet each direction. You know, uh, it held on, but you know, then you got you start thinking that you know, these windows are okay in this part of the building, but then you start looking close and the seams and, and all, all the seals are broken and cracked, you know, so you got, you know, infiltration of moisture there that you're having to contain just to do drying, you know, and that's not the obvious because it's not like the windows are broken out like it was in the other building. You know, we had like 250 windows blown out. Um, but understanding building structure and envelope, you know, obviously we all know water is going to take the path of least resistance and, you better make sure that you are utilizing all the tools from moisture meters uh, to infrared. And I suggest if you're going to get into this game that whoever does your infrared images has some sort of a certification. Um, I've seen people get lambasted because, you know, they're claiming things are wet with an infrared camera uh, when they were capturing a heat source, you know, a couple of feet away and looking like it's wet. And then they bring in their guys that are trained that know how to use an infrared as certification for it. And they're showing that you're wrong. And so then they're going to cut your equipment. You know, they're going to cut your bill and you're not going to have a leg to stand on because you can't stand behind what you did in court. And so training comes from all aspects. You know, uh, construction background is good, or at least people on your team or consultants that you bring in have a good construction background. Um, large equipment, uh, Sunbelt. I don't want to name drop. I'm trying to avoid that, but just to give them as an example, I'm sure Herc and all the other ones do too. They put on large loss clinics uh, that you can send your guys to, to learn how to set up generators and desiccants and power distribution and understand all the aspects of that. And, you know, uh, whatever software that you're using, you know, to track your, your bills, you need to make sure that you've got a team that's adequately trained in that because first and foremost, you know, as business, you know, you've got to watch your bottom line. And yeah, I know we always want to run and rush to 
take care of the client. But if you're not documenting that, it's not worth you even being there. You know, and, and that's a big mistake that I see a lot of people do that jump into this, you know, especially early on is because they rush out and they want to make an impression on the client and they throw everything they got at this building or buildings and they get everybody running and no one has documented a single thing. Nobody has written down your vehicles, your equipment, your labor, your consumables, any of that type of stuff. And the next thing you know, you're trying to back into it. And anytime you back into it, you're losing money. I mean, you know, you're losing money. And none of us will do this for free. I mean, we're all here to make money, you know, and, you know, I, I've, as I've grown in this industry, you know, when I look back, even when I was running a storm team and man, we left 35, 40% on the table because we didn't properly track things, you know? And so those are lessons that you learn as you get experience. You know, I would probably recommend the number one thing to do is if you're, trying and have decided that this is what you want to do is that you team up first with a company that has already been doing it. You know, most companies like us are always willing to let people come and help us out. You know, we, you're going to make money. Uh, contracts going to be with us, you know, most likely, you know, but we're all here to build a good network, you know, of teams, you know, of other companies um and teach and if you're part of a franchise group same thing you know tie yourself and get to know one of your storm teams you know whether you're surf pro service master paul davis or anything like that i've worked for two or three of those guys in the past you know but make sure that if you're going to make alliances with other people that you make alliance with someone that can teach you you know and help guide you and that's looking out for your best interest you know uh, i would say finding people that you know have a good reputation and that are honest and dependable is one of the hardest things in this industry, not because they're few and far between, but the good ones have also been burned by bringing in people up underneath them, you know, and so building a, a, a relationship ahead of time is the most important thing. Don't just run out and work for somebody you just met and don't work with somebody you just met. You know, I, I spend all year working on relationships, whether it's with vendors and suppliers, the whole nine yards and other contractors and you know, that's that's probably half my job is making sure that I have good relationships with all these people and resources and to make sure that we get what we're going to get when we get on site and, you know, pay your bills. You know, that's the, the big thing that really hurts a lot of contractors that jump into this is because they run out and they do a million dollar project and they rent it, you know, four hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. And then they're not paying that rental bill until they get paid. Well, the problem with that is, is that when you run into companies that do pay their bills and they pay them on time, you know, they pay it within their 30 days or whatever. Uh, when it comes to the next storm, that rental company is not going to answer your call. They'll put you on a list. You know, they'll come to you when they <laughs> give out the equipment to all the people that do pay their bills because it's all about the bottom line. You know, and it's the same thing with us, you know, as an industry, you know, the more transparent and the better you document everything, the quicker you're going to get paid and the less argument there's going to be from the other side and hiring your own hygienist. Even if insurance don't pay you back for that, it's enough to justify what you did. And then you have your own consultant that has their insurance assigned to you. And that will be in the courtroom with you if something does go awry. And that's, they hate that the other side's consultants hate that. Um, but, I would tell you that's one of the most important things that we do. Absolutely. You know, 
one of the things you mentioned in there, especially if you're a restoration company listening to this, maybe you're on that spot where you're like, maybe we need to get into this, or maybe we'll start doing a little bit of storm work or large commercial work. You know, this isn't your day-to-day restoration. The amount of organization that goes into it, like you mentioned, being able to pay bills on time, making sure you have things documented, this these kind of jobs are so complex and big you're not going to have be able to just say, oh, we'll go back and get that information in a couple of days. We'll we'll catch the back end of the file up as we go. That can end up just that additional labor and time spent could be that profit margin you make on a job. So, you know, getting those organizations that, you know, standard processes in place, it's I mean, it's paramount in this. If you don't have those organizational skills and have that ability to track live as you go, making sure your employees are doing things the right way the first time. I mean, it's paramount. And and it seems like that's something, especially anyone who's listening to this that's never done this or wants to get into it. Please, if you take anything away from this, it's the organizational side of this that, you know, how much time are you going to spend on the back end on something as simple as photos? If you don't have the photos to document your work, you're going to lose profit on this. And from what you're saying, that seems to be the biggest portion of this. Yeah, I mean, documentation is is major, whether it's your uh, documenting, you know, your your time and your materials. But like you said, photos, photos, photos. I mean, on a typical job site, I mean, we do a minimum, minimum. Like I just did a college that was just three floors, maybe 20 rooms. I, I bet we did 100 photos a day just for that, you know, before and after every day. Document all your equipment every day. Make sure it's uh, in a program. Don't want to name drop any programs like we use because I don't want to get into endorsing or anything like that. But make sure it's something that time and date stamps it. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, a lot of things I've had adjusters and consultants and insurance companies come back to me and I'm always able to pull up a photo and say, yep, there it is. Time and date stamp by a whole nother company. (laughs) You know, it. there you go. Uh, there's that there's that piece of equipment you said we didn't have or there's that that scaffolding that you know we used you know whatever the case may be um making sure you have a line of credit you know you don't necessarily have to have cash in the bank you know to pay those bills make sure you got a line of credit not only to support you know the work and your and your vendors and things like that but you know your own staff i mean it gets expensive out there uh and it gets in the it's usually more expensive on the front end just getting everything mobilized you know, and, and getting getting to the location where you're at and then trying to find a lay down yard or trying to find a place for your people to stay and the food and everything else, you know. Uh, and, you know, another thing I hadn't even mentioned yet is we've invested for all of our command centers last year, uh, Starlink and MoFi devices uh, because there's usually no power, there's no internet, you know. So that's been the great thing with Starlink is, now, at least at all of our command centers in the surrounding area there, you know, we have Internet, you know, so we can communicate, you know, and document. Um, I mean, that is document, 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 you know, uh, is the biggest thing, you know, and make sure you do a self audit before you turn anything over. Uh, and you're going to have pressure on you. And I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but you're going to have pressure on you from consultants and adjusters to turn over your paperwork. They want to see it. We got to see it. We got to see it. No, they're not entitled to that until you're ready to give it to them. Uh, You know, again, go back to Ed Cross's books, read that. If you don't have the experience, that will at least give you some good, some good grounds to know where you're at. Now, you don't want to act aloof, 
you know, or like you're trying to be dismissive, you know, but you can just tell them, you know, it's our policy that we do not turn anything over until it's been audited. And the reason is, is because you or your guy that's tracking that equipment may have missed something, but then that's what the photos are great for. So I kind of circled back around there <laughs> and the photos, then you can go back when you're doing your audit and it was like, man, he left that whole room out of equipment, you know, or he left that, he did, he tracked the stuff inside, but he left out the AC units and desk kits and generators that are outside. He thought somebody else was going to track that. And I've had that happen tons of times, you know, and so doing a self audit before you turn everything over is very important. And kind of circling back around something you said earlier, you know, especially about building that relationship and, you know, kind of helping yourself stand out in the community. Have you seen any restoration companies really succeed in building that strong community relationship and establishing, tr you know, that trust that you're going to come in and do the job correct, especially in those hurricane prone areas? Well, I mean, the, the problem is, is that, you know, that's the reason it's, it's good to build relationships ahead of time, um, because a lot of times you're going to be if you're getting into this industry, most of you aren't like me. I'm I'm, I'm in Florida. You know, uh, most most people are not from here. And so you're trying to come in and I would say the best thing to do is if you say you're going to do it, do it. You know, I mean, because you're not going to have an existing relationship there unless you come back to the area and you can point to some things that you have done. Um, having a past performance, uh, you know, whether it's electronic or even in paper format, you know, is real good capability statement, all that kind of stuff. Um, because when it comes down to it, it, your Google reviews, most people that know what they're talking about these days and are tech nerds like I am a little bit, you know, they're going to know that you can pay companies to build your Google reviews up, you know, so that they're really looking for someone to be a man of their word or a woman of their word. Um, you know, my motto and a lot of people in our industry, you know, have this, but it's under promise and over deliver. If I think it's going to take a week, I tell you 10 days, you know, then hopefully I'm going to finish in five to seven. You know, and then I'm going to be I'm going to be the guy that, you know, that did exactly what he said. And the other contractors like, oh, yeah, we'll knock that out. We'll, we'll be in and out of here in three or four days. And then they have a hiccup and it takes one extra day. They're the loser. They are the loser. And I promised five extra days. But because I came in a day under that, I'm the winner, you know, and so it, it really comes down. The only way to really establish that is long term reputation and relationships and kind of comes down to marketing, you know, at the same time, you know, uh, our industry, I would say is built for longevity off of relationships, you know, and sometimes you're building that quick, but most people these days, especially when you come to a hurricane prone area, they've heard it all before. Don't come in thinking you're going to win Floridians or Louisianians or Georgians or anyone else like that over with a sly sales pitch or anything like that. We've been through this a million times. You know, we go through it every year just about, you know, so we've heard every song and dance, you know. And so coming in with the bright lights and the flashy signs, that's not what they're looking for. You know, they're looking for someone who can do what they say, you know, and so capabilities and letting them see if you say that you're going to get them started today, you better significantly get them started, you know, today, you know, you better be able to point across the parking lot at your tractor trailers or your box trucks or whatever the case may be on the size project that you're doing and say, I can have them here in 30 minutes, 
you know, kind of a thing. Do not promise that you can jump on this job and you still got equipment coming from New York, you know, or Texas, you know, and you're coming into Florida and you're a day and a half, two days out because that's going to be delayed too with traffic, you know, road closures and everything else, you know. So be a man or a woman of your word, I would say, and prove it quickly. Communicate every day. And another thing in there is, you know, having that readiness. So, you know, like you mentioned, having having equipment on site ready to go, you know, a small story. My, I'm from Central Florida as well. You know, my parents' house flooded after this last hurricane that came in and we had two restoration companies come out and be like, oh, we'll have it done in a day. Well, last <laughs> I checked, you couldn't even drive on the roads, let alone where are we getting trucks from? How are we doing different things? And it just kind of sets a bad taste in everyone's mouth from the get go. But also... Are you prepared? Like you mentioned, do you have those tractor trailers ready to go? Are you able to get walk in that house and start right there? Do you have any stories that, you know, have led to restoration company readiness making a big difference after when a hurricane hits? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, I would say Metairie last year, you know, in Louisiana, you know, we we mobilized to begin with, you know, we, we start trying to watch where the storm is going to track, you know, and we we go in obviously employee safety is important so then we skirt it up we try to skirt underneath or around depending on what it's at try to be the first people in town before they close the roads you know is what we try to do now you do have to be careful in areas that are prone to flooding and storm surge and things like that and so you know there are some apps out there you know flood maps and things like that that you can utilize to know where to go you know and where to park that kind of a thing but we stopped off in pensacola and then skirted in you know, straight into Louisiana. And we were there before I saw hardly anybody, you know. And so, and we're pulling in with our our caravan of, you know, 15, 20 tractor trailers and campers and command centers, and we're ready to drop and rock, you know, and that, that really goes a long ways. And then, you know, you pull up to a place that you see is affected, you start having to do research, you know, that's where your your back office support is really good in, because if you can get, satellite phones you know that's not new technology but that's definitely something you got to have when you're traveling you know for hurricanes is because there's probably not going to be any cellular service so having a satellite phone is important but then you can say call your home office say hey i'm right here outside so-and-so mall or this building i need to find out who it is and then get them on the horn you know having a good i'd say they're almost like salespeople, in-house salespeople that are you know trying to track those people down for you you know, uh, and try to get in front of them. And then those people are going to see that you're there. These people got their crap together. They're already here, you know, boom, sign the contract. You know, that, that kind of thing I see happens a lot, you know, early bird gets the worm, you know, kind of a thing. Now, if you just got salespeople out running around and you don't have the the meat to back it up, you know, you're going to be in trouble, you know, And that's something I think you just hit on right there. I want to circle back to is that back office staff, because anybody can have a truck and run around and sign jobs. But if you don't have that, those processes, procedures that back, you know, that staff back at home managing, where's our equipment, you know, where's our resources, our paperwork going, people keeping things, you know, streamlined, you know, speak to real quick, how important it is to have that full team, not just crews and equipment, but really having that back staff that's able to handle the logistics and everything that goes into it. Yeah, I mean, everything from accounting staff to help process, you know, uh, all of your invoices that you're getting uh, to per diems for your workers, 
you know, uh, the whole nine yards that, you know, you got that. Um, then you got to have like your human resources staff, you know, uh, involved with your people and anything that may happen. Um, having someone, you know, I hadn't even talked about safety a whole lot, you know, but having people that have at least their OSHA 10 or, you know, OSHA 30, like I've got, you know, on the ground. And then also maybe even having a safety person back at home, uh, you know, to kind of help guide through things if you run into any issues. Um, logistics, you know, we have logistics people that stay back to help us with orders. And we have logistics people in the field to help with the delivery and what we may need. You know, um, it, it takes it takes a team. I mean, it's all about teamwork. And, you know, that that is one of our mottos is teamwork or respect. And, you know, we try to look at it that every position is important. You know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're the guy turning the wrenches or the guy that's running the project. You can't do one without the other, you know, and and same thing with salespeople. There's a lot of people that disrespect salespeople. And, you know, I came from that side. You know, well, you generally are going to get the contract without some kind of a sales you know, someone's got to sell it at some level or another. Sometimes it may be the owner. Sometimes it's a salesperson. Sometimes it's one of your technicians that happen to be at the right place at the right time. So making sure that your entire company represents you well is important. But the people back home are who's going to be able to find and get you resources when you don't have cell phone signals because sat phones are horrible. I mean, they are horrible. <laughs> Anybody that has a crystal clear sat phone that works everywhere is lying to you. I mean, uh, I'm still sometimes with a sat phone having to stand on one leg and lean out the window kind of a thing because uh, reception on those, especially after hurricane, is still choppy. I mean, because you got to think, especially the early going, you're getting there. It's still cloudy. You still got tailwinds that are coming through and lots of cloud coverage and things like that. And it can interfere even with the satellite coverage. Um and then there are just dead spots with everything, whether it's sat, sat alone, you know, even with, you know, the, the star service. I mean, it, it's it's spotty in certain areas. You know, it's not good across everywhere. You know, it's not like there's one satellite that feeds the whole world. You know, it's it's a million different little satellites they have up there right now, you know. And so it's the same thing with the cellular service. I mean, and the sat phones, you know, it's. It, it, the time of day has a lot of impact on how good your service is. So having that support staff back home that you can reach out to, to help, whether it's finding clients or finding resources or placing orders for consumables or finding an equipment that you need to rent, it, it's, it's paramount. You got to have it. A lot of absolute just golden nuggets dropped on this one. But, you know, as we kind of wrap up on this, is there any key message or real piece of advice or wisdom you'd love to leave with the listeners today about kind of getting into Hurricane or being prepped for Hurricane? Anything you really want to leave as kind of a high point? Well, I think, you know, the high point is, you know, be prepared. You know, you, you I mean, and I know that covers a crazy amount of thing and we spend all year with it and but when it starts getting into this time of year i start off generally in may i'll have a, a cap meeting you know every other week every two or three weeks depending on where we're at in the process but like starting at this point in july i mean it, it becomes every week there's a meeting and then i'm following up you know i end up letting other of my duties fall behind really um, because making sure that everybody is trained you know staff turnover in our industry is horrendously high uh, it, I don't care how good you are. Uh, you might be an excellent company that has all your employees for 20 years, but you're, you're a rare bird if that's the case. Uh, most of us, especially on the technician level, who is doing a majority of your work is 
you know, got a high turnover. And so your guy that was great on the hurricane last year has moved on. Somebody else paid him more money, you know, or he got burned out. You never know. Um, the only other big thing is to appreciate your people. Uh, I would say, because without your people, you're not going to be able to get the job done. And if you don't give them breaks every two to three weeks for a few days to go visit family and friends, uh, you're going to have problems on the job site. I've seen divorces. I've seen fights. I've seen people go into financial issues, even though they're making more money there, they're spending it like crazy because they're immature, uh, whatever the case may be. And so they still need their anchor, you know, and so get them home to see their family, their loved ones, their wives, their kids, you know, their husbands, whatever the case may be, uh, and make sure that they come back, even if it's just two to three days, you know, fly them home, you know, and then fly them back. I mean, that's money well spent. And when they return, they're going to be refreshed, re-energized and ready for the next project. If you've already gotten one under control, because I mean, it's not uncommon to be on hurricane, you know, for a month, two months. And, you know, what we try to ask out of all of our staff that we hire, I mean, every employee, when we hire an employee, I don't care if they're an admin that's answering the phone. When we hire them, we ask them that we ask for at least two weeks of travel. Because that first two weeks, is the most important time on the ground getting the job started and getting it even if you're stabilizing and you're going to end up tearing the whole thing out because it's cat three water getting everything underway documented stabilized is the most important spot then you can start letting people go go home for visits and cycle people in and out but your people is probably the biggest thing that a lot of people in our industry especially owners and managers uh, they miss and it's because they're looking at the dollars and they're looking at the bottom line. And what ends up happening is you either get a bad reputation uh, amongst people that need to work for you. You know, it don't take long for people to in your area to find out that you're a crappy employer and you don't treat your people well. Or your people are going to burn out and you're going to do a bad job for your client. Then, again, it won't take long, especially during a hurricane. People are on message boards more than they usually are. People like myself that. Don't do a whole lot of social media. I'm checking it then, you know, <laughs> trying to find out what's going on. Is the power company in my area or whatever? And so uh, this kind of circles back around to the sales side of thing. You know, if, if you got a happy customer, they're going to tell one, maybe two people. If you piss a customer off, he's going to tell eight to ten people, you know. And so think of that same thing in everything that you do, uh, whether it's, you know, doing the job for your client or taking care of your people. You know, same thing with disgruntled employees. You know, if you make one mad or you treat him bad, he's going to tell everybody he knows. Don't ever go to work at that place. <laughs> and then they're going to get on social media and even spread lies about you, possibly, or lambast you. And then next thing you know, people are trying to do a quick research before they hire you. And they're like, man, this guy don't treat his people well. And today, more than it has been in the past, that is a huge, huge issue. You know, quality of life is what employees are looking for now. You know, it. it the world has changed since COVID, you know, and so we've got to evolve as employers uh, and make sure that we're sticking with that and treating people well. There you have it. Thanks again to Mike Allred from Royal Plus for sharing those incredible insights with our listeners. As always, if you like the episode, please share it with a friend and give a good rating wherever you get your podcasts. Interested in learning more about know-how? You can go to tryknowhow.com to schedule a time with me to show you know-how and let's see what know-how can do for your workforce. 
That's trynowhow.com to see for yourself and how know-how can empower your workforce out in the field. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys again here soon.